This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. Restoringthefaith.com Good morning. It is the 23rd day of the 10th month of the year of our Lord, 2023. It is Monday morning. And you are here on the Crusade Channel, live talk radio the way it should be, listening to your 10 a.m. Central Standard Time favorite show. This is Parrot Talk. I am your host, Mike Parrot, broadcasting once again from the heart of America. Back in the RTF studio, it feels so good to be back in the saddle, as they say. And you know, I w- last night, Sunday night, I was reading this Politico article about Mike Pence, of all people. I don't even know why I got interested in it, because it's Mike Pence. And the word interesting or interested and Mike Pence don't go together at all. But there I was, enthralled by it, and I thought, man, tomorrow morning I'm going to share this with the audience. I hope that you care about this as much as I did. I got into this thing. First of all, Mike Pence was, I mean, let's just get some perspective here, okay? He was second in line to the presidency, he was the vice president of the United States of America for four years. We don't really know much about him. Nobody really cared that much about him because Trump was such a big figure. But even Politico was like, man, it's kind of weird that he can't even get 15 people into a pizza ranch. Do you have a pizza ranch near you? Have you ever had pizza ranch? I have an unpopular opinion about pizza. I think it, it is an abomination to food. It should never be consumed by humans. Um, what is it? It's it's basically baked bread and cheese. It is a heart attack. There's practically no protein to the thing. It's all empty carbs. And you know how I feel about a, a refined white wheat. So you take the dough... And it's been bleached, devoid of any nutritional value whatsoever. And then you layer on some cheese to it, which I have no problem with cheese, but I prefer cheese like on a charcuterie board with a glass of wine, you know, like a civilized human. But then you bake it and then it's just like melted and greasy and it is a stomach ache for me. Even the thought of pizza gives me a stomach ache. It's just not my thing. I don't know if I have a, maybe I'm just not a wheat guy. I don't know. Maybe I'm mildly celiac. Or maybe just because, maybe just the knowledge that it has zero nutritional value and is only going to kill me has taught my body to reject it. Pizza Ranch, we have them where I live in the heart of America. This is a place where you can walk in and you can pay something like 15 American dollars And you can stuff your pie hole full of cheap garbage pizzas. They also serve fried chicken, too. Which, actually, their fried chicken's not bad. I've had it. Well, when you're at a pizza ranch and you don't like pizza, you have to try all the alternatives. Anything else that's on the menu. Oh, you have peas? Oh, all right. I'll get some peas. (laughs) Mashed taters? I'll take the peas, mashed taters, and... Fried chicken. The rest of you can <laughs> you can eat your empty calories. At least I'm getting some animal fat in my body here. Um, can't get 15 people 
to a pizza rant. Now, I don't know much about Iowa other than the fact that it does, the heart of America where I am shares a border with Iowa, so we're not that far away. I would say culturally we're pretty far away. We have less and less in common. But we're not that far away. And I would suspect that the pizza ranches are the places to be in certain parts of Iowa because they are the places to be here in the heart of America. Um, on a crisp evening in a small town not far from Iowa's southwestern border, Mike Pence's decades-long quest for the White House has come down to a coin toss. Hmm, what are they talking about? He's on the 50-yard line of a high school football field in a town of just shy of 7,000 people. And he'll soon tell a reporter from the, from the uh, student newspaper, we wouldn't have missed it for the world. There's nothing like Friday Night Lights. What a canned phony. Next, he makes his way to the press box to provide color commentary for the game on the local AM radio station, KJAN. Earlier this afternoon, he confessed to me that he was nervous about the ordeal. It's been decades since, after losing congressional bids in 1988 and 1990. He hosted a Saturday morning call-in show on WNDE-AM in Indianapolis before jumping to FM syndication of the Mike Pence show. They told me I could go up to the booth and do play-by-play. I overheard him tell a voter, Not good. It's been a long time. Pence had capably debated Kamala Harris in front of an audience of 57.9 million people back in 2020 and led the White House's coronavirus task force press briefings as the world watched. But this was Iowa, and he was fretting about an AM radio hit. Pence, determined to get any Iowa voter to listen to him, so help him God, needed this. That's a big pickup on the 21-yard line, a headset-wearing Pence says of the hometown teen as they advance deep into opposing territory. (laughs) Chris Parks, the station's sports director, asks Pence whether he wants to call the next play. Pence laughs uncomfortably and looks back at the field. To avoid dead air, Parks announces the play instead. This is the man who for four years was one bullet away from the White House. One bullet away, and here he is begging people in Iowa to please vote for him. Desperate for sure is what they're saying about Mike Pence. David Cockle He's a veteran Iowa GOP strategist who worked on both the Mitt Romney presidential campaign and Jeb Bush's political action committee, describing him as desperate for sure. Iowa inflicts its own quadrennial and and peculiar political indignities (laughs) and hazing rituals on candidates, (laughs) but few have submitted to them so fully as Pence who even his own aides admit must deliver a surprise finish here next January to keep his decades-long presidential ambitions alive. 
He was the only candidate to actually ride a motorcycle at Iowa Senator Joni Ernst's July Roast and Ride. He spent more time at the Iowa State Fair than any other candidate. <laughs> I This is one of the peculiar things about American politics that I actually hope that we keep. You know, as, as we uh, continue our decline, the nation's decline towards, you know, bar- barbarism and nothingness. I hope that we still keep this tradition of debasing and, uh, uh, you know, the office of the presidency, the rather undignified uh, spectacle of forcing these guys to go to the state fair. Ride around in a motorcycle, eat corn on the cob, for goodness sake, show them that you're a man of the people. I don't know why we have this obsession in the United States of with having a man of the people. Have you seen our people? Have you seen the people? The people of Walmart? Do you want a man of the people from Walmart to be the president? I don't think so. I think we can do just a little bit better than that. Generally speaking, I think that's probably something that we should aspire to. <laughs> but nevertheless, put your leather chaps on and... Ride around the state fair and eat your corn on the cob there, Mike Pence. Prove to us that you are one of us. To watch Pence on the trail these days is to see a man navigating the awkward, abrupt transition from being next in line of presidential succession just four years ago to backbencher status amongst the Republican field. You can see him grapple with his own political mortality, working it out in public. (laughs) He became wistful and self-reflective earlier in the day in Greenfield. A woman uh, apparently asked him if he felt called by God to run. He did, he told her. Quote, we didn't run because we felt like we saw some clear eight-lane superhighway straight to the Oval Office, Pence admitted to a crowd of 30 people as he began talking about his campaign in the past tense. Here's the, here's the problem with Pence. Well, there are multiple problems with Pence. Besides the fact that many pro-Trump conservatives consider him to be a traitor, he also has no cash. He has 1.9 million cash left alongside more than 620,000 in debt. The campaign has not said whether he has qualified for the third debate in Miami next month. He certainly reached the polling minimum, but has not hit the donor threshold. Quote, that debt number is going to be impossible to pay back. A longtime Pence ally told me. When he drops out, he's going to have to do some debt retirement fundraisers. In the immediate hours after the report came out, few around him expected him to quit before Iowa. Far less clear is where he could compete after Iowa. That's the interesting part about this whole caucus thing. That's the, that's the fascinating part. You know, everybody, everybody focuses on Iowa. It's supposed to be the entry point for folks who um, 
folks who don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of national reach. However, it is just one of those interesting places uh, because you do have to subject yourself to all kinds of indignities. And then even if you win Iowa, remember Michelle Bachman? Michelle Bachman won Iowa. Didn't she win Iowa? Then we never heard from her again. So that's the, you know, that's the, that's the uh, other thing that we're uh, discussing here with regards to Mike Pence and, and really any of them. Look at Vivek Ramaswamsi. You could win Iowa and then not even have enough cash to move on. It's not like winning Iowa is going to get you five million bucks into the coffers. And Mike Pence is so patently boring an establishment. I mean, look, the establishment is going for Nikki Haley right now. They just are. They think that she's more interesting and dynamic than he is. She was also in the White House in the administration. She's a brown woman from the South. And both of them basically believe the same things. They're both war hawks. They're both cut taxes to the rich, but spend a hell of a lot of money to start wars. And they're both, very, frankly, uninspiring and borderline illiterate. So it's not compete. It's not. It's not clear where he could compete after Iowa, even if he placed what third. Is he shooting for third now? Third place finish in Iowa? What does that get him? A delegate? Nearly six months into his presidential campaign and fewer than 90 days until the Iowa caucus, Pence is not seeing massive crowds (laughs) like his former running mate Donald Trump or his fellow Midwesterner Vivek Ramaswamsi or Florida Governor Ron DeSantis or even his longtime frenemy, former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley, 30 folks at Penn Drugstore in Sydney on a recent Friday morning. Another 30 at the Olive Branch restaurant in Greenfield that afternoon. 60 at a senior center in Glenwood the next day. Nor is he seeing anything but single-digit backing in the polls. In Iowa, he's currently averaging 2.6% amongst Republican voters. It's difficult to find a political prognosticator who is not on his payroll, who gives Pence any plausible shot at winning the nomination, a reality he has acknowledged on the trail earlier this month. Quote, the media has already decided how all this is going to end, he told just 13 people at Pizza Ranch in Red Oak. But as you all know, I think Iowa has a unique opportunity to give our party, our country, a fresh start. He encouraged them to keep an open mind. 13 people at Pizza Ranch. That, ladies and gentlemen, 13 people at the Pizza Ranch. Pence, who evidences a 
just happy to be here vibe is still hoping pitting dreams on evangelical rich Iowa. So deep is his hope that he gave 150,000 of his own money to his campaign in the weeks before his dismal fundraising report. This is a large sum for Pence. Pence isn't one of these guys that got rich in politics. I mean, he's rich. He's rich enough to give himself $150,000. But he's not Obama rich. He's not Biden rich. He's not Pelosi rich. He never really figured out how to grift once he got elected. Mike Pence's greatest strengths are his doggedness and his belief that God has a plan for him. His longtime friend Mike Murphy, a former Republican member of the Indiana House of Representatives, told me, but he's going to have to be open to discerning the difference between his plan and God's plan. It's almost Shakespearean to see a man who had spent 30 years hoping to be president, hungering and thirsting for it, watching it slowly escape his grasp. Mike Pence wanted to be president practically since he popped out of the womb, the editor of his hometown newspaper once observed. He is at turns befuddled and dismayed with the direction of the GOP, and his presidential campaign can often seem as simply an effort to woo the party married to Trump back to Reaganism. Kind of last political stand. He grips and grins his way around the trail, sporting dad shoes and dispensing well-rehearsed dad jokes. I come from a state that begins with I and ends with A, he likes to say when visiting Iowa. Polite chuckles ensue. When he hasn't emerged as a leading candidate, while he hasn't emerged as a leading candidate, final paragraph, He's made a few notable remarks on the campaign. At the first debate in August, every major non-Trump candidate except Ramaswamsi endorsed his action on January 6th. His bid has been something of a thank you tour as well. I've seen Democrats and Republicans alike approach him on the trail just to offer their gratitude. I want to compliment you for what you did on January 6th, Larry Wynum, a 67-year-old Republican community banker in Glenwood, told Pence. That took a lot of character, and I think that's what we need in our next president of the United States. I think it took a lot of courage. You did the right thing. He rehearsed reams of policy plans. He released reams of policy plans more than any other candidate in the field. And he reshaped the debate on abortion rights, pulling candidates like Tim Scott and DeSantis to the right, forcing them to embrace a 15-week national ban on abortion. Influencing the debate, while not being recognized for it, is a return to form of sorts. In his own telling, Pence made a life of being just ahead of the political moment. I was Tea Party before it was cool. I was for ethanol before it was cool. I was a House conservative leader before it was cool. Now, he is far behind. (laughs) <laughs> I love how dramatic these political articles are about these guys. This may be the last sort of major long-form article that they write about Pence. This is them giving him one last kiss goodnight, basically. When he drops out, they'll write another, they'll write a a, 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 a piece about how he, how he fought the good fight, a post-mortem of his campaign. But that's it. This is the this is the last ink he's getting. This is the last free ink he's getting from 
sort of the establishment newspapers. I just thought it would be interesting to share it with you. I don't know why. I just th- I found the whole thing to be somewhat gripping. You, I maybe you didn't. Maybe you were like, I can't believe that you dedicated the first segment of the show to Mike freaking Pence. It's just such an interesting thing to me, our political system. It's so fascinating that we just, we have a system which allows, I don't know, people... Humans, leaders, statesmen, we don't have statesmen, to subject themselves to this weird thing we have we call the Iowa caucus. And very rarely does the same person win Iowa and then New Hampshire. Iowa and New Hampshire are such different states. It's designed this way, and then suddenly you're in, what is it, South Carolina, and then you got Super Tuesday and Florida's in play. Um, it, it comes fast and furious, You can pick apart every single county in Iowa. You can go to every pizza ranch and talk to 13 people at a time and hope that, I don't know, what what, what would you hope? That out of those 13 people that you end up picking up, you know, five, six, seven votes? That those people are so um, enamored by having met you at the pizza ranch that they're going to carry that feeling forward? Maybe they're going to tell one or two other people. Maybe you pick up seven votes. So you've got to go to the pizza ranch for for two hours, three hours plus travel to pick up less than 10 votes. And that's that's your best case scenario. You're slogging it out in Iowa. You're going from pizza ranch to Dairy Queen, talking to groups of 10, 20, 30 people each time, hoping to pick up 5, 10, 15 votes. And if you can piece that together every single day for weeks on end, maybe you get a few thousand votes. Maybe you get 10,000 votes. Is that meaningful in Iowa? How many votes do you need to win? How many people are actually going to show up in caucus? What's the population of Iowa? The population of Iowa is 3.2 million people. And here you are hanging out with 15 people at Pizza Ranch. 3.2 million people. Now, granted, not all of them are Republicans and not all of them are going to caucus, so a slim portion of that 3.2 million, but let's say a million people caucus. What if a million people are caucusing and you're standing there trying to get 15 votes? So it's an interesting, it's an interesting part of our American system. The guy who's doing it really well is VeggieTales Vivek. He's doing Iowa pretty darn well. I suspect he's going to be in a position to win it outright. He really is. He's taking names in Iowa. He's doing the things. He's walking around. He's talking to the people. But he's also wowing them. He's drawing much larger crowds. He can get more than 13 people at a pizza ranch. And he's telling them the truth. He's telling them the truth about at least the way he sees it. He's not sugarcoating things. Saying we got to get out of Ukraine. We got to get out of the Mideast. 
I don't agree with, with Mike Pence on what he did on January 6th. I differ with Trump a little bit, but I think Trump was the best president we've had. That's a good message in Iowa. That's a great message in Iowa. Anyway, when we come back, uh, there was uh, <laughs> chaos in the GOP. I guess we're just talking about the GOP today on Paratalk. When we come back, I'm going to have to talk about the chaos that is ensuing. Jim Jordan has failed on a third secret ballot, and he's been ousted from the speaker race. We don't have a speaker. We don't have a third in line to the presidency right now. Slim majority in the House of Representatives. No speaker. Vacant for, what, three weeks now? We'll prognosticate about that. And then I want to, if, if we have time, I want to do a quick deep dive into Matt Gates's life. I think there's certain things about Matt Gates that you need to know that probably you don't know. And, and, and probably why you, you, may, you may be frustrated with me because I have not given him an unqualified endorsement. Well, when we go over his biography, maybe you'll understand why. Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. We'll be right back. Hey, I just met you. Heard you're a groomer. So here's your millstone. Good luck, loser. It's hard to look right when you're a pervert. So take your millstone. No kids will get hurt. Gotta get these fools into the bottom of the ocean. Down in the ocean. Alongside that Titan sub. Gotta get these guys down to the bottom of the ocean. Throw them in the ocean with that Titanic sub. Welcome back to the program. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Broadcasting from the heart of America. I am your host, Mike Parrott. You can reach out to me at RestoringTheFaithMedia at gmail.com. That's RestoringTheFaithMedia at gmail.com. There's a Wall Street Journal article out on Matt Gates, And it basically says that he ripped the Republican Party apart and he's not even sorry about it. They are so mad at this guy. They are so mad at Matt Gates for doing what he did. Matt Gates is somebody who uh, is he he was the son of a powerful politician in Florida, the grandson of a f- politician in Florida, raised near Tallahassee, <clears throat> stepped into an open, safe Republican seat, and the expectations of him were pretty low. He wasn't really expected to be anybody in Congress. Uh, he has had... He has had he has been under investigation for lewd and disgusting crimes. The Ethics Committee still looking into him. Uh, so there's just a lot going on with, uh, with old Matt Gates. He's not just somebody... He's not just one of us that, you know, made it into the... GOP and wants to keep his pledge and made all these promises to his voters. The what the Wall Street Journal article uh, surmises is that he's in a no lose situation. 
there are two possibilities right now. Either the GOP selects somebody who's a swamp creature, like Kevin McCarthy, or they select someone who's conservative, like Jim Jordan. And either way, Gates wins. If they select a swamp creature, he can say, see, I told you, this is just a swamp. You cut off the head of the snake and you get a new snake. It's like Hydra. Or, suppose he wins and he gets Jim Jordan in or someone like that. Then he can say, hey, look, isn't it good that I did this? You should thank me. So either way, he gets to say, you should thank me, Matt Gates does. This is a no-lose situation for him. All he has to do is play it cool. And that is exactly what he's doing. He's, he's sort of in the background. He's not, he's not um, saber-rattling. He's not, he's not out there giving the speeches or drawing attention to himself. He's just letting the process play out, which is exactly what he should be doing. The GOP has launched a third attempt to break the speaker stalemate. This is a speaker stalemate that's been going on for three weeks. They have tried so hard to get two guys in there. They've failed. And now a few guys are putting their name in the hat for the third round. Look, you do need to put someone in as speaker. Somebody needs to become speaker of the House. House Republicans will embark on their third attempt to break the speaker stalemate this week, headed back to square one as they huddle to pick a nominee for the top spot and hope that their new candidate can muster enough support to win the gavel on the floor. Here's the problem. Jim Jordan couldn't get across the finish line, partly because the liberal Republicans took a page out of the Matt Gates playbook, and they said, all right, well, we can band together like six or nine or 15 of us, and we can dictate terms. So you couldn't get Jim Jordan across the finish line. He needed, what, 217, and he got right around 200. House Republicans will, uh, will embark on their third attempt. Conference reset comes after a majority of members voted to drop House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan as their nominee after he failed to win the speakership on three ballots. Now, to be fair, Kevin McCarthy won on how many ballots? 15, 19, 27? It was a lot of ballots. Why does McCarthy get 20 freaking ballots? And then you're like, oh, well, Jim Jordan, you didn't get it after three. You're done. I don't really know. I'm sure there's a real reason besides the fact that they just didn't want Jim Jordan. That's possible. It could be that it was really just at that point in history, last January, it was, it was inevitable that Kevin McCarthy was going to get it. Everybody knew it. It was just a matter of what terms can we extract from him along the way. This portion of Paratalk is brought to you by the Epoch Times. Subscribe today. Watch their new docufilm, No Farmers, No Food. Will you eat the bugs? Subscribe today through the Crusade Channel for $1 for your first month by going to crusadechannel.com forward slash epoch, E-P-O-C-H. One dollar, ladies and gentlemen. One dollar doesn't even get you a cup of coffee anymore. But to get a whole month of the Epoch Times, pretty good. 
Nine Republicans are vying for the top spot. But it's unclear if any of the candidates will be able to drum up the votes to secure the gavel on the House floor. Tuesday, that's tomorrow, marks exactly three weeks since eight Republicans and Democrats voted to oust former Speaker Kevin McCarthy from his post, leaving the House without a speaker. On the Senate side, President Biden's roughly $100 billion supplemental request, which includes money for Israel, Ukraine, the border, allies in the Indo-Pacific, will be a key focus as the U.S. looks to aid its allies abroad. Senators are also nearing a deal on amendments for a minibus that would help resume consideration on the legislation. Senators return to the Capitol on Tuesday. Well, who are these nine people? Tom Emmer, Minnesota. Mike Johnson, Louisiana. Gary Palmer, Alabama. Kevin Hearn, Oklahoma. Byron Donalds, Florida. Jack Bergman, Michigan. Austin Scott, Georgia. Pete Sessions, Texas. And Dan Muser, Pennsylvania. Tonight, Monday night, Republicans are going to convene on the Capitol for the third candidate forum, where those vying for the gavel will have an opportunity to make their pitch to the rest of the conference. Each candidate will receive two minutes to deliver introduction speeches. Then there will be an hour and a half of questions and answers, followed by one-minute closing speeches. On Tuesday, conference will hold an internal election to select their next nominee, which will be conducted by a secret ballot. Emmer, the current majority whip, is likely to surge ahead as an early frontrunner in the race. He is the third highest ranking Republican in the GOP conference, has run in leadership races in the past, has received a major boost even before announcing his candidacy, an endorsement from McCarthy. He knows how to do the job, McCarthy told NBC's Meet the Press about Emmer, adding, we need to get him elected this week and move on and bring not just the party together, but focus on what the country needs most. He did note, McCarthy did, that it's going to be an uphill battle. I love it. I love that these guys are elected and they're like, oh, let's have an election amongst the elected to decide who is going to be the Speaker of the House. Notice that there is a dearth of actual statesmanship. Nobody is stepping forward right now and emerging as the obvious choice. Nobody is, well, this guy's integrity, his judgment, his character, his service record, his ideas, his legislative accomplishments. Nobody's running on that. Nobody is is very obviously pointed to. There's nobody, there's not a crowd of people Running to safety. You know, in times of uncertainty, you run to safety. You flee to it. Nobody is fleeing to anybody. There are no names that are just like, okay, well, we tried it with this guy and this other guy, but in the end, we all know who it always had to be. That's not happening. That's not happening in the Republican Party. Okay, maybe we'll go, maybe we'll support the whip. My sense is they're not going to support the whip. The whip's not going to get 217. McCarthy says he knows how to do the job. I'm not sure that McCarthy's 
bit of confidence is going to go that far. I'm not sure I want his endorsement. If I'm running, if I want to be Speaker of the House. You know, in the on the Democrat side, there's this orderly turnover. You know, these Democrats wait their whole lives for these positions. It's such and such as turn. They've waited. They were patient. When Pelosi steps down, then it's the next guy. He's already been anointed. It's not really a big controversy. You might have one person run just as a show to show that you're not just giving the position away to the next person, the next most corrupt, loyal swamp creature. At least I look, I don't mind I don't mind the chaos. I know that it will be construed in a way to make the Republican Party look bad. I know that. But I really don't mind the chaos that much. I think that it should be an open primary. I think that people should try to run for it and give their pitch for it and they you should coalesce around somebody who maybe you didn't see coming. I think that there is a likelihood, there's a possibility anyway, that somewhere amongst those nine names is a truly great Speaker of the House. Somebody with great ideas. Somebody who understands not only legislation and politics, but who has the political will and the uh, sort of cleverness within the context of, you know, parliamentary procedures to get stuff that we want done, done. We are, I say we, (laughs) I don't know why I include myself in this, but Republicans are in the driver's seat in the House of Representatives. It's a slim majority, yeah. It's not a huge number of people. I get it. But they're in the driver's seat. They ought to be able to get some stuff across the finish line that they want done. The fact that they can't, that part is embarrassing. But you know what? Nobody nobody remembers making the sausage back when McCarthy had 17 ballots. Nobody really remembers that. Yeah, it was embarrassing for a day or two, and, and, and the cable news made fun of him and whatever. This is the kind of thing that people just don't care about, frankly. People have goldfish brains. No memories. So if it takes another week or two, or three, to get a speaker, yes, maybe the the political class and the people who are hyper aware of what's going on and paying very, very close attention are going to say, well, the Republicans are in shambles. It took them six weeks to find a speaker. But once there's a once there is a speaker of the House, once the guy is legislating, once he's meeting with the president and and striking deals and hopefully, God willing, defunding wars in Israel and Ukraine, all that stuff. Once that's happening, no one's going to point to like the chaos of the process. The chaos of the process is only newsworthy to the extent that it's happening right now live in front of everybody. It's embarrassing today, and tomorrow it will be a distant memory. So I don't think they should, they should rush. I am not in favor of like rushing someone out there. I My only observation is... It is interesting that there's nobody to whom they can rush. There's no old hand. There's no there's no Churchill-like figure here, okay? 
when it came to World War II, when it came to crisis, it was, well, that's the obvious choice. We have to go with the guy who knows how to do this. There is no obvious choice in the House of Representatives. What are they going to get? Dan Crenshaw? The pirate? That guy's so deeply unpopular. I don't even think he could get 50 votes. Now, there's nobody out there right now who is the far and away clear, silver-haired, old hand, steady, experienced, in case of emergency break glass. There's no, there, that person doesn't exist. I think it's a fairly younger caucus, too. I'm looking at the pictures of these nine people that want to that want to be speaker. You're talking about guys in their 40s and 50s. Contrast that with the 70 plus year old Nancy Pelosi. It's the octogenarians on the other side. Biden can't even walk straight. Feinstein died in office. She's dead. Her cyborg might still be voting present. Who knows? So I don't know. I I don't know what to make of it other than it's a bunch of uh, of guys and gals on Capitol Hill that that just can't agree to disagree. Matt Gaetz has really, he he did, I I think the journal is right. He ripped the GOP apart and the party can't bring itself back together right now. It just can't. There still is a big wound. And now there are little mini factions, little Gates-like factions running around thinking that they are going to get something very important out of this race. Got the liberals, got the Warhawks, got the Tea Partiers, got the Freedom Caucus, got Marjorie Taylor Greene, who's just kind of doing her own thing. Everybody now is like, well, if I can be a shock jock with like five of my buddies, we might be able to control this thing. That's what happens when margins are razor thin, ladies and gentlemen. Too bad there wasn't that red wave they talked about. Interesting times. Interesting times indeed. An entire show focused on the Republican Party. We're getting a third debate coming up soon. Can't wait to talk about that with you. They're trying to get Trump off the ballot. Maybe we'll talk about that tomorrow. They may succeed in Colorado. This is Paratalk here on the Crusade Channel. Live talk radio the way it should be. Monday to Friday, Central Standard Time, 10 a.m. So glad to be with you. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to do this. And I will see you tomorrow on Tuesday. Happy Monday, y'all. God bless. This is Parrot Talk. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com